Greetings, family. Greetings, greetings, and Happy New Year to everybody. What a wonderful day this is, the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in this day. Listen, I just want to share with you a scripture because it resonates in my soul and it is God's word from his word, a prophecy, which if you believe and receive, this word is for you. I said, this word is for you. It's 2022 and I'm seeing double. Yes, double, I said. It's not a visual problem. It's not a physical problem. It's a spiritual, uh, incredibly blessed time that I'm going through where I'm seeing in the spirit, the double blessings of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord that make rich and add no sorrow. The blessings of the Lord that come with obedience to him. The blessings of the Lord that are coming down upon his people because they fast and pray, seek his face, turn from their wicked ways. And we're hearing from heaven just like he promised. So I want to read to you from Isaiah 61 and just let it bless your soul. Because as I said... I am seeing double, double rewards, double for my trouble, the double anointing that Elisha received when he stuck with the prophet until the end. God says, if you stick with me, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard the things that God has prepared for his people, but they have been revealed to him by his spirit. So God has shown me things in the spirit realm. It is a double vision. Hallelujah. I want to read to you Isaiah 61. I'm going to let you go because I know everybody's busy and people really don't seem to have much time for God. I hope you're not one of those people. So I'm going to make this quick and I'm going to go and I'll talk to you again later. This is Mornings with Michelle and I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 61. And this is what it says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. I need you to let that resonate with you for a minute and just think about it, think about it, pray about it, receive it, and know that this is what Jesus read in the temple. He was the fulfillment of it all. And then he imparted this life-giving power to his disciples to do the same thing in our generation. Amen. Verse three says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. I'm going to stop there and just let you think about that. And I will come back to you a little later after you've listened to that word, meditated on it and prayed it through till it 
becomes resonant in your heart, your soul, and you're proclaiming why the spirit of the Lord has come upon you. It's not just so he can sit there. It's so you can do a work in the kingdom of God. Are you ready? It's 2022. I see double, uh, double vision, double anointing, double blessings, breakthroughs for everyone that hears, believes, and receives. I tell you, this is your year. God bless Elder Michelle with Mornings with Michelle saying, hmm, I can't wait to see what God is going to do next through you. Amen. God bless. Greetings, family and friends of this podcast. This is Mornings with Michelle. This is Michelle coming to you in this early morning hour, uh, giving you words of inspiration, words of life, light, and hope. I hope and pray that as you listen to this podcast this morning or whatever time you're listening to it, that light will shine in those dark places in your life and you will find renewed strength help, and vitality from the Word of God as I share it with you today. We're towards the end of the year. We're almost at Christmas Day, the day we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want to say to you from a perspective of one who has celebrated Christmas all of my life, that it is the most uh, celebrated times of the year. I would say one of the most celebrated times of the year, uh, but for, unfortunately, uh, so much commercialization has happened around this time of year. It's all about spending money, and it's not about what the real purpose of it is, which is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as you go forth and celebrating this holiday, I want you to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And in all your giving, give him your heart. And that will be the best gift that you can give to the Lord on his birthday. God bless you. This is Elder Michelle with Mornings with Michelle. And today, I want to read to you from the book of Esther. Esther um, for those of you who don't know where it's found, it's found in the Old Testament. And it's something very interesting about the book of Esther in the Bible. It's the one book in the Bible where the word God, the name of God, is never mentioned, not even once. Not even once has there, is there a mention of God in the book of Esther. And yet, the phenomenal part about that is that all up in those scriptures from the beginning to the end, you see the manifestation of the power, the glory, the provision, the interruption of life in a positive manner for the good of the people of God. You see that and you recognize his awesome power in the lives of his people. The book of Esther. Okay, you ready to go on this journey with me? You can learn about who Esther was as we read and listen to what the Word of God says. Beginning with chapter 1, it says, Now 
in the days, and it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. This is Ahasuerus, which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia over a hundred and seven and twenty provinces. Verse 2 That in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even an hundred and fourscore days, and when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto the great and the small, seven days in the courts of the garden of the king's palace. Now listen to this, verse 6 where there were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver upon a parchment of red and blue and white and black marble. And they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel. For so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. So Vastai the queen made a feast for the women of the royal house, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahulam, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abigail, Zethar and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus, the king. He commanded these servants, the names I just named with a little bit of um, pause because I'm not familiar with the pronunciation of those names. The seven chamberlains, chamberlains were that served in the presence of the king he commanded them to bring Vasti, the queen, before the king with a crown royal. And what he wanted to do in verse 11, it says to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look on. 
But the queen Vasti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. When the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Miris, Marisna, Mimukin, the seven princes of Persia, and Mediah, which saw the king's face and which sat the first in the king in the kingdom. Verse 15. What shall we do unto the queen Vasti according to the law? Because she has not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains. And Mimucan answered before the king and the princes, Vasti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and all the people that are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For the deed of the queen shall come from abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king Ahasuerus commanded Vasti, the queen, to be brought in before him, but she has not come. Okay, so just to recap, the king was having a party. The men were getting drunk, merry, and the king, Ahasuerus, wanted to bring the queen, who was beautiful, so that they could look at her. All right, I'm breaking it down to very uh, modern language. So your husband and his boys are downstairs. They're um, watching the ball game, the football game. They're drinking, they're doing whatever they're doing. And the husband calls his wife, and he says, hey, baby, come on downstairs. I want, I want you to meet the guys. And what he really wants to do is just show her off in front of all these uh, half drunk and half crazed um, buddies of his. And the wife refuses to come because she did not want to be a spectacle. And she did not want to par parade around or in front of um, men as her husband was asking her to do. This is the picture of what was happening in that day. Vasti was the queen, and she was having a celebration of her own. And the king wanted her to be displayed before all the men that were getting drunk with him. Now I wanna ask you a question, what would you do if this were you? Now we're living in a different day and we're living in a different time. But they did ask the question among themselves, what should we do? What should the king do? And it was decided that since Vasti did not obey 
the king's command that she had to be excommunicated. She had to be dethroned and if she wasn't dealt with harshly, that all the women of the kingdom and wherever they would hear this noise abroad would disrespect their husbands because of the example that Vastai had set. But I, I personally have compassion on Vastai. If that were me, I wouldn't want to do that either. I wouldn't want to parade around and, and have a bunch of drunken men uh, gaping at me because I was so beautiful to look upon. And this is basically what was happening uh, to Vastai in that day. Now this is not a spiritual um, explanation of what happened. I'm just laying the foundation of what happened in the book of Esther that leads to the placement of the queen Esther on the throne. Prior to Esther becoming queen, this is what happened. One queen was moved out of the way because of her disobedience to the king and another queen was established. But if you look at how it happened, you have to ask yourself the question, if that were me, what would I do? And I'm gonna let you answer that because it doesn't say anything about God and what God would want you to do. This is a personal and individual choice that Vastai made. She decided, ah, I'm not gonna do that. So Vastai, I applaud your fortitude and your faith and your ability to say no to being um, objectified because basically that was going to happen to her. So women, I wanna take a point of making that to you today. A lot of women are being objectified. They're being presented in such a way as to um, display their beauty, display their wares, so to speak, and many women are going along with the program. The fashion designers are producing clothing that is so skin tight and revealing that nothing, absolutely nothing, is left to the imagination. Uh, anything a man wants to look at, he can see on a, on a sunny summer day, walking down the street, walking in the mall, strutting in the downtown corridors, he can see whatever he wants to see of the woman's figure, her body, her wares, so to speak, and again, nothing is left to the imagination. But women are complicit with this. They see these fashions and they go for them. The more they can show and get away with in a legal fashion, it seems like they're going to do it. But as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and those who are redeemed by the, the power of the blood of Jesus, we want to be modest in our apparel. That doesn't mean we have to dress like old fogies, so to speak. We can dress very fashionably. We can uh, dress very nicely, even very uh, sensuously but it has to be in an appropriate environment, an appropriate setting, 
and a woman should never walk down the street looking like a like that unless there's a man by her side to guard her protect her uh, to cover her so women women please take a note from from Michelle I know everybody doesn't want to hear that. Everybody is, 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 is striving for their own rights and their own will. And I can dress however I want to dress. I can wear whatever I want to wear. And, and yes, you can. But I'm just trying to rein in the thoughts of those of you who say that you're Christians that you're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're admonished to present ourselves holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't look like you're about to go out on the, the strip. You shouldn't look like you're out there looking for a date. You shouldn't look like you're out there catfishing. You should look like a woman of God, sanctified, holy, and separated unto God for the master's use. All right, I'm gonna leave that alone, but this is the foundation of the book of Esther and chapter one. I'm going to read the last part of the chapter, and then we're going to pause and say a word of prayer. So this is what they decided. They said, this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. When they find out what Vestai did, Oh my goodness, the women are going to start gossiping and talking and saying, yeah, if she did it, I know I can do it. You know how we do. Okay. Vastai, the queen, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vastai, the queen, to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Medea say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deeds of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. And if it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it is that it be not altered that Vastai come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree, which he shall make, shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor both to great and small and the same pleased the king and the princes and the king did according to the word of Marukin. 
For he sent letters unto all the king's provinces, unto every province according to the writings thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. I read to you from the book of Esther, chapter one. And that chapter lays the foundation for Esther, who will become queen in Vastai's stead. And it shows how Vastai was dethroned. She was dethroned because she refused to come when the king called her. Again, I will not politicize this message. I'm just reading it to you as it is. But you have today situations, even in workplaces, where a boss or figure of authority has called a woman into a place, and because that person is the woman's boss, she came, but in so doing, she compromised her morals. And in fact, what was happening to her was a, an a, a episode of sexual harassment. Now this is modern, this is today. Was what happened to Vastai sexual harassment? I do not know how she felt exactly. She may even have been drinking herself and, and was stubborn and refused because she just didn't want to obey the king. But whatever the case may be, this chapter lays the foundation for Esther to come forth. And I'm going to close that discussion from the chapter, first chapter of the book of Esther, with this verse from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28. It says, For we know that all things work together for the good. Of those who love the Lord, who are the called according to God's purposes. This event in Vastai's life worked for the good of Esther and the people of God. God had it all set up and planned just like that. And unfortunately, Vastai lost her position as queen because of this particular episode. But God already had someone in mind that God had chosen to take her place to do the work of God that you're gonna find out about as we go on into the next chapter of the book of Esther. The book of Esther, an Old Testament book, a book that tells a story of the greatness of a woman by that name, a servant of the Most High God, a Jewish princess. It's a beautiful story, and God will help you to apply all of the remnants of truth and faith that come forth out of it into your life so you can live a more successful Christian journey. I have a more successful Christian experience. We're going to have a word of prayer.
and then we're going to close out for today. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my listeners here on Mornings with Michelle. Lord, you set examples before us in the Word of God, and they are for our learning. They are for our, our admonition. They are for our, our strength and our help. And so we can look at the lives of people that have gone on before us and we can learn from them. We can learn. We don't have to live out their mistakes because we see the consequences of error. But we can learn and get wisdom from those open book uh, discussions about the lives of people in the Word of God. So as we study the book of Esther here on Mornings with Michelle, I pray that you would help my listeners to tune in and glean and listen and observe and study and get the benefit from your word that only comes from on high. We don't need worldly wisdom, Lord. We need the wisdom of God. As women, we need the wisdom of God. We need to know how to behave when it comes to superiors in the workplace, people who are our bosses and their bosses, and they are um, maybe they're, they're power welding, and that power is causing us to bend, uh, to stoop, and to bow, to compromise, because we don't want to lose our job. If Vastai would have done what the king called her to do, she would not have lost her position as the queen. So literally, that was the test. Do I lose my job or do I do what this man wants me to do? Some of you are in a position right now where you have to ask yourself that question. You have to answer it. I pray that God will give you the wisdom, the guidance, the direction, and the help so you know what to do in every situation that you're confronted with. In the name of Jesus Christ and for the glory of God, this is my prayer. So I thank you for tuning in this morning to Mornings with Michelle. We're going after the very mind of God to get the wisdom of God so that we can take it into our workplace, into our homes, to our children, to our husbands, to our spouses. For the men on the line, you may also be in a compromising position because of a superior, a boss. Um, you have to pray that God would give you the wisdom as to how to escape that position of compromise so that you can be pleasing in the sight of God in all that you say and do. Amen. God bless you. Um, and, and also, I want to say this. We know that it's true. It, it has been said and it has been suggested over and over and over and over and over again. She only got that position because she was sleeping with the boss. She only got that position because she's dating the pastor. Yeah, they've said things like that too. Okay, so... You're vulnerable to attack if you're gifted and talented and aggressive and charming and beautiful and the enemy wants to take advantage of you. So don't let him do that. Please. 
be wise. Pray. Ask the Lord to give you his wisdom. Ask the Lord. The Bible says there's no temptation that God has allowed that he will not provide for you the room to escape that temptation. He will show you the way out. He will open up the door. In fact, he'll create a door. Yes, he will. So you can run through it and you can escape the danger. So I don't know who I'm talking to, but God brought me this road, way down this road into the book of Esther and somebody needs to hear this. There is a way of escape. You don't have to bend. You don't have to bow to keep that job and to keep that position. You do the right thing and God has promotion for you. All right. God bless you now. This is Michelle with Mornings with Michelle. I pray that you'll have a glorious morning, that the Lord will be with you and strengthen you and encourage you, and he will set you on high because that's what he does. Amen. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Greetings, family and friends of this podcast. This is Mornings with Michelle. This is Michelle coming to you in this early morning hour, uh, giving you words of inspiration, words of life, light, and hope. I hope and pray that as you listen to this podcast this morning or whatever time you're listening to it, that light will shine in those dark places in your life and you will find renewed strength help and vitality from the word of God as I share it with you today. We're towards the end of the year. We're almost at Christmas Day, the day we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want to say to you from a perspective of one who has celebrated Christmas all of my life, that it is the most uh, celebrated times of the year. I would say one of the most celebrated times of the year. Uh, but for, unfortunately, uh, so much commercialization has happened around this time of year. It's all about spending money. And it's not about what the real purpose of it is, which is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as you go forth and celebrating this holiday, I want you to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And in all your giving, give him your heart. And that will be the best gift that you can give to the Lord on his birthday. God bless you. This is Elder Michelle with Mornings with Michelle. And today, I want to read to you from the book of Esther. Esther um, for those of you who don't know where it's found, it's found in the Old Testament. And it's something very interesting about the book of Esther in the Bible. It's the one book in the Bible where the word God 
the name of God is never mentioned, not even once. Not even once has there is there a mention of God in the book of Esther. And yet, the phenomenal part about that is that all up in those scriptures from the beginning to the end, you see the manifestation of the power, the glory, the provision, the interruption of life in a positive manner for the good of the people of God. You see that and you recognize his awesome power in the lives of his people. The book of Esther. Okay, you ready to go on this journey with me? You can learn about who Esther was as we read and listen to what the Word of God says. Beginning with chapter 1, it says, Now in the days, and it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this is Ahasuerus which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia over 107 and 20 provinces. Verse 2, that in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even an hundred and fourscore days, and when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto the great and the small, seven days, in the courts of the garden of the king's palace. Now listen to this, verse 6. Where there were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple, to silver rings and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver upon a parchment of red and blue and white and black marble. And they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance, according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law, none did compel. For so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. So Vastai, the queen, made a feast for the women of the royal house, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahulam, Bistha, 
Harbona, Bigtha, and Abigail, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus, the king. He commanded these servants, the names I just named with a little bit of um, pause because I'm not familiar with the pronunciation of those names. The seven chamberlains, chamberlains were, that served in the presence of the king, he commanded them to bring Vasti, the queen, before the king with the crown royal. And what he wanted to do in verse 11, it says to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vasti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth and his anger burned in him. When the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Miris, Marisna, Mimukin, the seven princes of Persia, and Mediah, which saw the king's face and which sat the first in the king in the kingdom. Verse 15. What shall we do unto the queen Vasti according to the law? Because she has not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains. And Mimucan answered before the king and the princess, Vasti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and all the people that are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For the deed of the queen shall come from abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king of Hazareras commanded Vasti, the queen, to be brought in before him, but she has not come. Okay, so just to recap, the king was having a party. The men were getting drunk, merry, and the king, Ahasuerus, wanted to bring the queen, who was beautiful, so that they could look at her. All right, I'm breaking it down to very uh, modern language. So your husband and his boys are downstairs. They're um, watching the ball game, the football game. They're drinking, they're doing whatever they're doing. And the husband calls his wife and he says, hey, baby, come on downstairs. I want, I want you to meet the guys. And what he really wants to do is just show her off in front of all these uh, half drunk and half crazed um, 
buddies of his. And the wife refuses to come because she did not want to be a spectacle and she did not want to parade around or in front of um, men as her husband was asking her to do. This is the picture of what was happening in that day. Vasti was the queen and she was having a celebration of her own. And the king wanted her to be displayed before all the men that were getting drunk with him. Now I wanna ask you a question, what would you do if this were you? Now we're living in a different day and we're living in a different time. But they did ask the question among themselves, what should we do? What should the king do? And it was decided that since Vasti did not obey the king's command, that she had to be excommunicated. She had to be dethroned. And if she wasn't dealt with harshly, that all the women of the kingdom and wherever they would hear this noise abroad would disrespect their husbands because of the example that Vasti had set. But I, I personally have compassion on Vasti. If that were me, I wouldn't want to do that either. I wouldn't want to parade around and, and have a bunch of drunken men uh, gaping at me because I was so beautiful to look upon. And this is basically what was happening uh, to Vasti in that day. Now, this is not a spiritual um, explanation of what happened. I'm just laying the foundation of what happened in the book of Esther that leads to the placement of the queen Esther on the throne. Prior to Esther becoming queen, this is what happened. One queen was moved out of the way because of her disobedience to the king and another queen was established. But if you look at how it happened, you have to ask yourself the question, if that were me, what would I do? And I'm gonna let you answer that because it doesn't say anything about God and what God would want you to do. This is a personal and individual choice that Vasti made. She decided, ah, I'm not gonna do that. So Vasti, I applaud your fortitude and your faith and your ability to say no to being um, objectified because basically that was going to happen to her. So women, I wanna take a point of making that to you today. A lot of women are being objectified. They're being presented in such a way as to um, display their beauty, display their wares, so to speak. And many women are going along with the program. The fashion designers are producing clothing that is so skin tight and revealing that nothing, absolutely nothing is left to the imagination. Uh, Anything a man wants to look at, he can see on a, on a sunny summer day, walking down the street, walking in the mall, strutting in the downtown corridors. 
he can see whatever he wants to see of the woman's figure, her body, her wares, so to speak. And again, nothing is left to the imagination. But women are complicit with this. They see these fashions and they go for them. The more they can show and get away with in a legal fashion, it seems like they're going to do it. But as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and those who are redeemed by the, the power of the blood of Jesus, we want to be modest in our apparel. That doesn't mean we have to dress like old fogies, so to speak. We can dress very fashionably. We can uh, dress very nicely, even very uh, sensuously, but it has to be in an appropriate environment, in an appropriate setting. And a woman should never walk down the street looking like, a, like that, unless there's a man by her side to guard her, protect her, uh, to cover her. So, women. Women, please take a note from, from Michelle. I know everybody doesn't want to hear this. Everybody is, 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 is striving for their own rights and their own will. And I can dress however I want to dress. I can wear whatever I want to wear. And, and yes, you can. But I'm just trying to rein in the thoughts of those of you who say that you're Christians, that you're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're admonished to present ourselves holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't look like you're about to go out on the, the strip. You shouldn't look like you're out there looking for a date. You shouldn't look like you're out there catfishing. You should look like a woman of God, sanctified, holy, and separated unto God for the master's use. All right. I'm going to leave that alone, but this is the foundation of the book of Esther and chapter one. I'm going to read the last part of the chapter, and then we're going to pause and say a word of prayer. So this is what they decided. They said, this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. When they find out what Vestai did, oh my goodness, the women are going to start gossiping and talking and saying, yeah, if she did it, I know I can do it. You know how we do. Okay. Vestai, the queen, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vestai, the queen, to be brought in before him but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Medea say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deeds of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. 
And if it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it is that it be not altered, that Vasti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree, which he shall make, shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the same pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Marukin. For he sent letters unto all the king's provinces, unto every province according to the writings thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. I read to you from the book of Esther, chapter one. And that chapter lays the foundation for Esther, who will become queen in Vasti's stead. And it shows how Vasti was dethroned. She was dethroned because she refused to come when the king called her. Again, I will not politicize this message. I'm just reading to you as it is. But you have today situations, even in workplaces, where a boss or figure of authority has called a woman into a place, and because that person is the, the woman's boss, she came, but in so doing, she compromised her morals. And in fact, what was happening to her was a, an a, a episode of sexual harassment. Now this is modern, this is today. Was what happened to Vasti sexual harassment? I do not know how she felt exactly. She may even have been drinking herself and, and was stubborn and refused because she just didn't want to obey the king. But whatever the case may be, this chapter lays the foundation for Esther to come forth. And I'm gonna close that discussion from the chapter, first chapter of the book of Esther with this verse from the book of Romans chapter eight, verse 28. It says, for we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are the called according to God's purposes. This event in Vasti's life worked for the good of Esther and the people of God. God had it all set up and planned just like that. And unfortunately, Vasti lost her position as queen because of this particular episode. 
but God already had someone in mind that God had chosen to take her place to do the work of God that you're going to find out about as we go on into the next chapter of the book of Esther. The book of Esther, an Old Testament book, a book that tells a story of the greatness of a woman by that name, a servant of the Most High God, a Jewish princess. It's a beautiful story and God will help you to apply all of the remnants of truth and faith that come forth out of it into your life so you can live a more successful Christian journey. I have a more successful Christian experience. We're going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to close out for today. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my listeners here on Mornings with Michelle. Lord, you set examples before us in the word of God and they are for our learning. They are for our, our admonition. They are for our, our strength and our help. And so we can look at the lives of people that have gone on before us and we can learn from them. We can learn. We don't have to live out their mistakes because we see the consequences of error. But we can learn and get wisdom from those open book uh, discussions about the lives of people in the Word of God. So as we study the book of Esther here on Mornings with Michelle, I pray that you would help my listeners to tune in and glean and listen and observe and study and get the benefit from your Word that only comes from on high. We don't need worldly wisdom, Lord. We need the wisdom of God. As women, we need the wisdom of God. We need to know how to behave when it comes to superiors in the workplace, people who are our bosses and their bosses, and they are um, maybe their their power welding, and that power is causing us to bend to stoop and to bow, to compromise, because we don't want to lose our job. If Vastai would have done what the king called her to do, she would not have lost her position as the queen. So literally, that was the test. Do I lose my job, or do I do what this man wants me to do? Some of you are in a position right now where you have to ask, yourself that question. You have to answer it. I pray that God will give you the wisdom, the guidance, the direction, and the help so you know what to do in every situation that you're confronted with. In the name of Jesus Christ and for the glory of God, this is my prayer. So I thank you for tuning in this morning to Mornings with Michelle. We're going after the very mind of God to get the wisdom of God so that we can take it into our workplace, into our homes, to our children, to our husbands, to our spouses. For the men on the line, you may also be in a compromising position because of a superior, a boss. Um, 
you have to pray that God would give you the wisdom as to how to escape that position of compromise so that you can be pleasing in the sight of God and all that you say and do. Amen. God bless you. Um, and, and also, I want to say this. We know that it's true. It, it has been said and it has been suggested over and over and over and over and over again. She only got that position because she was sleeping with the boss. She only got that position because she's dating the pastor. Yeah, they've said things like that too. Okay, so you're vulnerable to attack if you're gifted and talented and aggressive and charming and beautiful and the enemy wants to take advantage of you. So don't let him do that. Please be wise. Pray. Ask the Lord to give you his wisdom. Ask the Lord. The Bible says there's no temptation that God has allowed that he will not provide for you the room to escape that temptation. He will show you the way out. He will open up the door. In fact, he'll create a door. Yes, he will. So you can run through it and you can escape the danger. So I don't know who I'm talking to, but God brought me this way down this road into the book of Esther, and somebody needs to hear this. There is a way of escape. You don't have to bend. You don't have to bow to keep that job and to keep that position. You do the right thing, and God has promotion for you. All right, God bless you now. This is Michelle with Mornings with Michelle. I pray that you'll have a glorious morning, that the Lord will be with you and strengthen you and encourage you, and he will set you on high because that's what he does. Amen. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, family, are you hungry this morning? Well, I sure hope you are, because this is Michelle with breakfast. Or maybe it's lunch for you, and then maybe it's dinner. I don't know what time of day, morning, noon, and night, that you're hearing the podcast, but this is Michelle with Mornings with Michelle. And we're continuing our study on the book of Esther. On the book of Esther, there are principal players in the book of Esther, whose names I want you to remember, because as this story unfolds, it does so like an incredible uh, suspense novel, a nom nom so boy, it's early, excuse me, a novel that's full of mystery and intrigue and drama and uh, victory at the end. But there are principal players that you need to know the names of because you'll hear those names again and again. The first two names that appear in the book from chapter one are King, the king, 
at that time. The king's name was Ahasuerus, and his wife, the queen, was Queen Vasti, or Vasti, whichever way you care to pronounce it. Either way is okay with me. Uh, she's not around to correct you, so that'll make it right. And then, of course, there is a guy by the name of Haman. That's a name you'll want to remember because he's the villain in this, this story in the book of Esther. And then there's Mordecai. Uh, he's the hero. And then there's Esther, of course. Esther is the heroine. She's the one that God uses in an incredible and wonderful, a miraculous even way. So, and of course, there are all the other players whose names you probably may hear more than once, but you'll probably forget. But as long as you remember the name of the king, what was his name again? Did you remember that? Oh, yeah, you're right. Ahasuerus and Queen Vasti. There is Haman. There is Esther. There is Mordecai and um, all the other players that are in the book. Now, these are important facts about the book of Esther that you want to remember. This book is only one of two in the Bible that has the name of a woman. Can you guess the name of the other book? If you said Ruth, you would be right. Okay, very good. And then there's another thing, another notable fact about the book of Esther. The name of God is not mentioned, not one single time. Now, I mentioned this to you before, and it's amazing because to me, that speaks of the fact that the word of God said, Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. And if a light is hidden under a bushel, it can't be seen. But it's meant that that light sit on a hilltop somewhere high where you can see it. And in the natural, have you ever discovered how you can take a lamp and you can sit it up high on the top of a pedestal or on top of a shelf and the light will spread out over the whole entire room. But if you sit it down on the floor, it only covers a small floor space. So let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the God of heaven. That's what we're admonished to do as believers. Let your light shine. There's something about a light, however, it doesn't have to say, I'm a light, I'm a light, I'm a light. Look at me, look at me, look at me. No, it just has to do its work. And that's to light up the room, to shed light on a path, to give that clarity to the darkness that's around and causing that darkness to disperse and go away. Okay? So that's what you're going to see here in the book of Esther. You're going to see light shining in the midst of darkness. You're going to see providence, the providence of God. You're going to see God working everything out in a supernatural way as he takes the times, the events, and the circumstances to produce the good that he wants to produce out of Esther's life, 
out of Mordecai's life and how he defeats the enemy of God in ways that, well, you just got to stay tuned if you want to learn more. Okay, well, that's what we have in the book of Esther. Hang with me and we're going to get some good food this morning. God bless you. I'll see you real soon. This is Michelle with Mornings with Michelle. And we're talking about the book of Esther. The Book of Esther, Chapter 4. We just completed the look at the Book of Esther, Chapter 3, which reveals Haman's plot against the Jews. In Chapter 4, we're going to learn a little bit about Mordecai and how Haman's plot directly impacted him and his people and how Mordecai went into action. There's a real takeaway from this first chapter, pardon me, this first verse of chapter four, and it lets me know and it should let you know that when a man, a man of God cries out in desperation and despair unto the God of heaven concerning matters that pertain to his life, to that of his people, that he can change the world. We saw that in the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah cried out to God and prayed, and God did the miraculous work. And we've seen it repeatedly throughout the scriptures where men have cried and God heard them and he delivered them out of all their troubles, even according to Psalms, when David is articulating the fact that God will hear you when you cry. So I want to encourage you today as you go with me in the study of the book of Esther that you would understand and know that God does hear and he does answer the sincere cries of his people. Let's go with Esther chapter 4. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth and in every province wheresoever the king's commandment and his decree came
there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Now I want you to get the picture here. A decree has gone out that on a set day at a set time on one day in one day every Jewish individual in that land would be utterly destroyed, wiped out, killed from the youngest to the oldest, babies as well as elderly people, destroyed. If that were the decree coming in your direction, would you cry out to God? Would you humble yourself and weep and pray and fast and cry out to God? Well, I want to tell you that that's going on all around this world. Many a black man is being slain in the streets every single day. And I'm convinced that if somebody would wail and weep and groan and agonize and fast and pray and come together with one mind and one accord, calling upon the name of the Lord, that change would happen in this nation and in this world. So listen as I continue to read, and I challenge you to fast and to pray that we might see change in our society. Verse four, so Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told her then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then Esther, for Hatach, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend to her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatach went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. The plot thickens. It's being unfolded to Esther, and she's getting the full evidence of what's going on. Verse 8 says, also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given to Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king, to make supplication unto him, to make request before him for her people. Verse nine, and Hatach came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther began to speak unto Hatach and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know 
that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. This is what Esther is telling Mordecai when he's saying to her, Esther, you have to go to the king and tell him what's going on and make a request before him. Plead for your people. Esther says, if I do that, the commandment is that I would die because I haven't been called. But you see, in life, there is a higher calling. And once you hear that higher calling, then you have to do what God is telling you to do, as you'll find out in just a moment. Verse 12, and they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. And this was his answer to Esther. He said, Esther, think not that thy thyself, that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He's telling you, you live in the king's house, but don't think you're going to escape the sword of the king because you live in the king's house. Verse 14, he said, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Listen, if you don't do what God is telling you to do, he's called you to do it. He's chosen you to do it. But if you don't do it, God will find somebody else to get the job done because the job will get done. Make excuses if you will. It's too late. It's too much trouble. I don't have time. It's too dangerous. Whatever your excuse is when God is telling you to do something, if you don't do it, you won't escape the wrath that's upon the land. God will have a person that will obey him to get his work done in the kingdom of God. And this is what Mordecai is telling Esther. Thou shalt come let me back a minute. I'm going to read 14 all over again. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We are here today in the positions that we're in. If we are children of the Most High God, God wants to use us right where we are. We haven't signed up for anything that could be um, life-threatening or otherwise, but God may um, draft us to get a job done that only we can do. He has positioned us to move 
in his kingdom strategically. He has positioned us to advance the kingdom of God strategically. He has positioned us to tear down the enemy's walls, his forts, and all the things that he's doing in the earth realm, that the kingdom of God may come on earth as it is in heaven. And when you hear the call of God to do this, to do that, to do the other, you may not feel equipped, ready, or able, but God, when he calls you, he equips you, he's prepared you through your life's journey up until this moment. You are ready, you are prepared, and the Lord is going to call you forth and send you out, sometimes in places of difficulty where there is danger, but God will be with you. And as the book of Isaiah says in 58, in the fast that God has chosen, where we break every yoke, we destroy the power of darkness, that we let the oppressed go free, that the Lord himself will be our rear ward. He will have our backs. We won't be going out there alone, for the Lord your God is with you. Amen. Verse 15. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. So she's sending him back an answer now. Verse 16. She says, go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushim and fast for me and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And these are Esther's immortal words. And if I perish, I perish. Esther had made up her mind. She was going to do what God had positioned her to do. She asked the people to fast with her for three days and three nights. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything. She said that she was going to do that as well as her maidens. And she was going to go unto the king to petition him to save her people. And she decreed and declared, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to see the king. Do you have that kind of determination today? That no matter what, if God has told you to do it, I'm going to do it. If I reject it, if I'm hated, if I'm cast out or cast down, whatever it is, if I do this in the name of the Lord, because he's told me, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to do what God called me to do. Let that be your determination, because if you don't, you're going to perish anyway. That's what Mordecai told Esther, and it obviously got through to her. She marinated that or allowed that to marinate in her her spirit, and she came back with her profound answer and pro profound decree. In verse 17, it says, So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Amen and amen. So there we have in verse uh, chapter four of Esther, the plot thickens now. 
the whole um, plan, the whole evil plan of Haman has been revealed. His plot, his plan to execute um, judgment on the Hebrew people and destroy them, obliterate them, uh, starting with Mordecai. Mordecai went into the middle of the city. He cried out with a loud voice. He rent his clothes. This was a a sign of extreme mourning. And he was outside the king's gate. The Bible says he couldn't come inside in mourning clothes. I guess the king didn't want that kind of affair happening within the gates of the king's castle. But Esther responded in the way that God had called and ordained that she could and should because she was indeed chosen to be queen for such a time as that. That's Esther chapter four. We must fast. We must pray. We must come together as one. We have to go before the king. Whoever the king is, that could be a government official. It could be your boss. It could be a neighbor. It could be anyone that God is sending you to, to do his bidding and to stop the destruction that's in this land. He wants us to obey him and not make excuses about it. Just do what he tells you to do. He's going to go before you. He's going to make your road that's rough. He's going to make that rough road smooth and that crooked path straight. You can trust him on the journey of life. When you have heard his call, say, yes, Lord, I hear you. And go ahead and do what God is telling you to do. Get some backup. Esther didn't do this by herself. She didn't go out on a limb by herself. She got the backup of the whole people, the whole body of believers, fasting and praying and calling upon the name of the Lord day and night for three days. She was fasting. She was praying. All of her handmaids were fasting and praying. And God who can and will do the exceeding and abundantly above all we could ask or even think, began to move mightily in that time period. But we won't know what's going to happen next until we go into the next chapter. We won't do that today, but we will do it next time. So this is Michelle saying, stay tuned. The book of Esther. We're enjoying this book. We're studying this book. And we're getting something that we can take away for the rest of our lives and apply to our own life's journey from this moment forth. God bless you. That's my prayer. Until we see each other again. Amen. Greetings there, family. Well, I hope everybody's been doing just fine. This is Michelle coming to you at this hour 
wishing you well and praying your success in the spirit as well as in the natural. I just had a thought I wanted to share with you, and it's basically this. When I was pregnant with my daughter some 30 years ago, I learned many, many valuable lessons, not among the least of which is the one I'm about to share with you. And basically, and to give it to you in encapsulated form, you can't wish a problem away by ignoring it. You have to confront it head on. Stay tuned, and I'll tell you more.